Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. I want to invite you to take out your Bibles now and turn in them in the New Testament to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter number 28 in Matthew. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one under a chair in front of you, and you could take that Bible and turn in the back part to page 26, and you would be at Matthew chapter 28. As I said, you're here on a very special Sunday because it's part of our Ready for Takeoff initiative, and what we're going to be doing is not what we would normally be doing. Normally, we might be studying through a book of the Bible or studying through a particular biblical subject, but we are doing a series of messages around our theme of being ready for takeoff, where we want to take Wildwood's outreach to a new altitude. And a couple of weeks ago, we began by talking about sharing his life, talking about Jesus' life. And the the thrust of that particular Sunday was around the idea of evangelism. And we looked at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 when it says that you shall be my witnesses. And we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says we are ambassadors for Christ. And then last week, Uh, Pastor Mark piggybacked on that when he talked about sharing him locally, and he took us back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and we saw there that while we are called to be witnesses and we're also called to be ambassadors, he has provided for us the power that we need, and we saw that being a witness begins right where we are, from where we are moving on out into the world. And Today we want to talk about sharing his light, and the focus today is on discipleship. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the fountainhead passage on making disciples, and it's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And I would like to read those verses and would invite you to follow along in your Bible as I read. Verse 18 says, and Jesus came up. And spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of of the age. Now, for some of us who have come together today, uh, for you, this is the first time you've ever been in the waters of Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. For some of us, these are familiar waters. This is a passage that we're familiar with. We've looked at many times, maybe, and we might be thinking, if that's you, that there's really nothing new to be seen here. But if if this is familiar waters for you, I just want to remind you of this. These are deep waters, and there's more than meets the eye in these verses. And these verses are refreshing, they are encouraging, and I think we're going to see they are very challenging. And so our goal this morning is to spend a few minutes unpacking these verses, and then you're going to hear from our special guest from Latvia, and I know you're going to enjoy hearing from her. 
So here's the plan of the morning. This is what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at four things. We're going to look at the backdrop uh, of these verses in verse 18. We're going to look at the assignment that God gives to you and to me in verse 19 and verse 20a. Then we're going to look at the assurance that is there in verse 20b. And then, fourthly, we're going to look at the reminder, and I think it's a very important reminder that is in verse 20c. So you ready to go? Let's begin by looking at the backdrop. We're going to see a very key assignment that is given to you and to me, but there's a backdrop to it in verse 18. Look at it again. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, the authority to act is a very important thing. And as I was working my way back through this passage this week, my mind went back to Richard E. Bird Elementary School in Glenrock, New Jersey, which is where I spent my early elementary years. And I remember the time when I was in third grade. And when I went into third grade, I got the toughest teacher in the school, Miss Doremus. She was tough. But not only did she teach the third grade, she also ran what was called the service club. And the service club is something that you could volunteer to be a part of, and that's what I did. As, a, as, as an eight-year-old, I said, I want to be part of the service club. You say, what was a service club? Well, one of the things that you would do is you would do certain kinds of jobs. One of the jobs we would have, we would come early to school, is that we would clean the chalkboards. And we would clean the chalk erasers. Now, when I say that, it really dates me because some of you have really never seen a chalkboard. But we actually had chalkboards, you know, and they would get real messy with chalk. And we would go in and we would wipe them down. And then we would also take the erasers and we would actually walk them outside and go boom, 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 getting all the chalk out of them. And we would do that early in school. And then shortly after the morning bell would ring, we would have to report to our classroom the coolest thing about being in the service club is we had these yellow and white buttons that you could just pin, you know, to your shirt. It said, service club. And so here I am in the service club, and I'm going, doing my duties. I'm in third grade. My sister, Linda, is a first grader. And she suddenly comes to me in the hallway, and she says, Bruce, maybe you can help us here because my teacher is not here. My teacher is late today. And I'm thinking, hey, this is what being part of service club is all about. You know, you give service when it's needed. And so I go into the first grade class, and they were getting a little rowdy. And I'm the third grader, you know. I'm settling this all down. I'm keeping all the students calm. And I was there for 15 minutes before the teacher finally showed up. Now I'm on my way to Mr. Remus's class, and I'm thinking to myself, did I really have the authority to do this? You know, I'm beginning to wonder about it all right now. And I remember coming into the classroom now 15 minutes late, and Miss Doremus looks at me and she says, where were you? And I'm explaining, you know, well, I was out there in the hallway, you know, my younger sister's in the first grade, she came to me, teacher's late, I had to go in there, you know, and I kind of calmed everybody down, teacher eventually came, and you know, now I'm back in the classroom. And she said to me, you don't have the authority to do that. She said, why did you not go to the office and tell them, the teacher? Well, you know, I never thought of that. Well, Miss Remus was hard to deal with. 
And as an eight-year-old, that morning, I was tossed from the service club. I know, yeah. I'm still working on emotionally recovering (laughs) from that experience in the service club. But here's the point. When you have authority, that is liberating and invigorating. When you don't have authority, it's discouraging and demotivating. And here's what's happening here. This is what, I think this is really cool. Jesus is about to delegate an assignment to you and to me, and we're going to see that assignment is, is that we make disciples. But as he's getting ready to do that, he, he lets us know very, very clearly here, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's basically saying, as I delegate something to you, it's important that you understand that I have full divine authorization. I have a green light from the throne of the Most High God. And as I give you this assignment, you can have confidence in the authority that I'm passing on to you. And you can act in confidence in accomplishing the assignment that I have given to you. So I find that invigorating. But that's just the backdrop. Let's look at the assignment, and we see that in verse 19 and the first part of verse 20. Now, look at at verse 19. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, when you first glance at that, you might think, well, there's four things that we are are, are being told to do. We're being told to to go and, and to make disciples and to baptize and to teach. But one thing all interpreters agree on is that the core command in these verses is to make disciples. And that's, you could almost take that as all capital letters. The, the, the word go, the word baptize, the word teach are all participles. Participle is an I-N-G word in English. So the thrust of this passage, the thrust of the assignment that we are given is that we are to make disciples. We're to develop and cultivate disciples out of other people. We are to develop and cultivate Jesus' learners. We're to develop and cultivate Jesus' followers. But all of these elements in this assignment have significance. Let's look at the idea that we are to go, or we could say we are, as we are going, we are to make disciples. Um, Some interpreters would say that this participle is also a command. Others would say, no, it's, it's just laying out a process of how we make disciples. But no matter how you might interpret it, it very clearly communicates this. That as a follower of Jesus, passivity for me is not an option. Have you found it is very eager, easy rather, to in your life self-focus? I mean, I find there's plenty to distract me in everyday life. And it's easy to get self-focused. And what he's really saying here when he says we are to go or as we are going, we should make disciples, he's basically communicating the idea that we need to avoid the sinking quicksand of self-indulgence and self-focus. In other words, when it comes to other people, 
in our life, where we live, where we work, where we go to school. We're to be more than a spectator. We're to be a participant. And here's the idea behind it. We're to take some initiative. We're to be going. We're to step out of our comfort zone. And notice he goes on to say that we are to be making disciples here of all nations. You know, life is about more than me. Life is about more than my world, my comfort zone. We are to be taking the initiative here, there, and everywhere to make disciples. And notice he goes on to talk about how we are to be baptizing them. Where does baptism fit into this process of this assignment to make disciples. Well, you baptize someone as a result of them embracing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ by faith. So this is the evangelism element of making disciples. We share the message with them, they embrace that by faith, and we baptize them. And we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The whole unity of the Godhead is behind all of this. So we have an assignment, you have an assignment, I have an assignment, we have an assignment as a church family, and that is that we are to make disciples. But it's more than just evangelism. Notice he goes on to say, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's not just that we are to take some initiative to make disciples, we share the message, people embrace the message, and we baptize them and we stop. No. We have to teach them. We have to communicate with them. We need to help them grow and to deepen their relationship with Jesus. We need to train them. We need to develop them. We need to help bring them to maturity so that they are a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting to me what he does not say there in verse 20. He says, he does not say, teach them to know all that I have commanded you. Did you notice that? He says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. See, it begins with what we know, but it never stops there. We have to have the truth of the Word of God, you know, in our heads, but that isn't where it stops. It's to filter down into the way that we live our life. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teach them to live it out. Teach them to submit to Scripture in their life, to line up their lives with the Word of God. Teach them to connect people to Christ, to His worship, to His community, to his mission. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm ever given an assignment and it seems to be a really large and significant one, I begin to think about, can I pull that off? I mean, can I do that? I mean, that's the assignment we've been given. It's the assignment you've been given, I have been given, we've been given as a church to make disciples. And I don't know about you, but I look at that assignment and you start talking about, you know, all around the world and everywhere where we live here, and it starts to get a little overwhelming. I feel a little inadequate to the task. And, and frankly, if you really think about this assignment that God has given to us, it's a little intimidating. But that leads us directly to the assurance that we have here, and we see it in the middle part of verse 20. 
He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to live out all that I have commanded you. And then he says this, and lo, I am with you always. I like the way the first part of that phrase is in the New Living Translation. It says, be sure of this. As you take on the assignment, I am going to be with you always. And of course, that's expressed through the person of the Holy Spirit who comes to reside and live inside of us. What he's doing in that statement is he is assuring us of his power and his presence. As we go about this business of making disciples, what Jesus is saying is, I'll be right there in the middle of it. I'm not sending you out by yourself. I will be there with my own presence through the person of the Spirit and the power through the person of the Spirit. You know what's interesting about the Gospel of Matthew? The Gospel of Matthew begins and ends with Emmanuel. You know, you go to the very first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew in verse 23, it talks about the baby coming, who his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And here we have the very last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew and actually the last verse. And he's saying, I, who am God, will be with you always. It begins with Emmanuel. It ends with Emmanuel. Now, when I look at that assignment I conclude that's 100,000 times better than being in the service club, you know, as an eight-year-old in the third grade. This is incredibly cool stuff. This is a rich set of verses. They are refreshing, they are encouraging, and yes, they are challenging. But you may have noticed there's one thing we haven't talked about yet. There's one final point we wanted to look at, and it's at the very end of the last verse, and that is the reminder. And I think it's a very important reminder for us to have. Notice he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And you can be sure of it, I will be with you always. And then he adds the little phrase, even to the end of the age. It's a little reminder that we need to have, a little important reminder, and that is that life is not always just going to go on and on and on. You see, God has a plan, and he's communicating the idea that there's a future climax coming. There is a day coming when God is going to wind everything to a close. It's a reminder as we live our life out there in the real everyday world that life here is temporary. There's going to come an end to the age, and we need to take advantage of the opportunity that we have. So our theme on our Ready for Takeoff series that we're doing today is on sharing his life. It's around the theme of discipleship. And every week when we're talking about something, we're, we're using a potential illustration of how we're involved as a church in the arena of whatever we're studying that week. And this week, it's discipleship. And the illustration we're using of that and an opportunity we're going to lay before you today is, is, involves the nation of Latvia. 
Those of you who are new may not know, but, but uh, I've been involved in traveling to the nation of Latvia uh, from even the days it, when, when it was part of the Soviet Union, beginning in 1990. And one of the ways to help develop discipleship that God allowed us to participate in is we were very instrumental in starting Latvian Christian Radio. What's amazing to me is next year is the 20th anniversary of Latvian Christian Radio. So what we helped get going, which is a key part of the discipleship that goes on in that country, is now coming to its 20th anniversary next year. It's amazing. And the Bible teaching that is featured on Latvian Christian Radio, um, repeated, is the Bible teaching of Charles Stanley and the Bible teaching of Wildwood Community Church. It's amazing. Two times a week, the messages that we give here are translated into Latvian and presented to the Latvian people. And um, this summer, when I had an opportunity to go back to Latvia, I had a number of people saying how much the Bible messages from Wildwood had meant to them, and a number of people actually used those materials to help guide their own small group Bible studies. You see, we've been involved in making disciples for many years now in Latvia. I ran into a woman while I was in Latvia, and they have this holiday called John's Day in Latvia. And basically what you do if you're just a regular everyday person on John's Day is you go and you get completely drunk. You go and get bombed. That's what they do on John's Day. And this lady uh, was on her way driving to the countryside to get drunk when she was listening to Latvian Christian radio and she was listening to a message that we were delivering. And while she's driving her car, she trusts in Christ as her Savior. Turns the car around, heads back home, saying, I'm not going to get drunk. And, And I met her and she talked about how much she has grown spiritually. Say, we're involved in discipleship in the nation of Latvia. And another thing I did this summer is I went to a place called Tulsi Christian School. And uh, I participated in a youth camp. Every summer, the school has a number of outreach camps. And I went and was involved with the youth camp that particular um, summer. But here's the key thing. We have an opportunity, just one sample of discipleship to be involved with. And that's going to be another camp that Tulsi Christian School operates called the Orphan Camp. It's going to be one of our featured events that you could possibly and potentially get involved with. And what we have with us today is the director of Tulsi Christian School, and her name is Inguna, and I'm going to have Inguna come on up here, but I I do want us to greet her properly by saying to her, good morning in Latvian, and you say that by saying labrit, and if you think of the word greet with la in front of it, phonetically in English, that's what we want to say. So what we want to say to her is if you take greet and you change it out with a B, it would be la brit. All right? Are you ready to do this? We're going to say to her la brit, which means good morning in Latvian. One, two, three, la brit, and welcome. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) Brother Bruce, thank you for inviting me here. And thank you, church, for letting me come and share my testimony. And I brought a little gift to you. This is granite from Latvia with flag of our country and, of course, your country. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
As Brother Bruce already shared that your church have been involved in, in different ministries of country and Latvia for many years. And probably you know that Latvia was under communist regime for 50 years. And uh, for you, it is hard to imagine that you can lose your Christian heritage, but it is possible. I was the third generation under communism and just imagine all these millions and millions of young people living in Soviet Union who didn't know anything about God. Uh, I did not even know that there were people somewhere outside of Soviet Union who believed in God. I thought nobody in the whole world believes in God. And this is how we were raised. We were atheists. But you know, uh, I believe that God puts every person in a, in a situation and lifetime that this person has no other choice than to cry out to God, believing or non-believing. And this is exactly what happened in my life. In 1990, long time ago, uh, I was young, and I had a family. My husband, Morris, and I, we had two daughters. Zani was three years old, and Alina, my youngest daughter, was one and a half years old back then. And they both were born as completely healthy babies. But one morning, Alina, the youngest one, woke up partly paralyzed. And to make long story short, uh, doctors found a brain tumor in her head. And doctors said that Elena would need a surgery. And surgery would be very complicated and possibly she would die during the surgery. And you know, it was first time in my life when I started thinking about life and death in general. Never ever before. And I realized that there were some things on this earth that human being just has now any power over those things. And I wanted to die instead of my daughter, and I could not. And then I remember the story I read in a in an, uh, about old days, that people were baptizing their little babies uh, as soon as they were born. In case they die, they would go to heaven. Well, today I know this is not completely the truth, but back then I didn't know anything. So I was wondering if there was a heaven. And I decided to baptize Elena, though it was Soviet time and nobody went to church. We still had church buildings left from old days. And we found a Lutheran pastor because Latvians traditionally were Lutherans. And I explained the situation and I asked a pastor to baptize Elena. We went to Lutheran church. Uh, I still remember the key. It was about size like this, you know, he he pushed and turned the key, pushed doors open. We went in, nobody was there. But we, uh, he was baptizing Alina. You know, he prayed the prayer, sprinkled water on a child. And I remember myself holding Alina in my hands. And there was a big picture of Jesus in front of my eyes. And I prayed my first prayer in life. And I said, God, if you are real, if you exist, save Alina's life and I will serve you. Baptism was over. We went back to the hospital. Elena had her surgery, and she 
did not die. She survived. But doctors found out that tumor was malignant. And uh, doctors told me that Elena would need another surgery at the age of three. And she would die at the age of six anyway. We spent six months in a hospital. She received heavy radiation treatment. And finally, when we went back home, uh, I was completely hopeless. And my child was completely helpless. She was turned into a vegetable. And every morning, I woke up with fear into my heart because this new day brought me closer to the death of my child. And this is how we lived. But then in 1991... Iron Curtain fell, and first foreign people who, uh, who came to my little town uh, were American missionaries. And I met a lady from Arlington, Texas, from Lamar Baptist Church, and she invited me to come with her to Tulsa Baptist Church. And this is how I started going to church. But then uh, in 1992, I was invited to join discipleship training school, again, led by American missionaries. And I took my two daughters and we went for this school. And then I saw that God really answers prayers because many people were praying for Elena and Elena became better. And then finally, finally, uh, good news was presented to me in a very simple way. And one summer afternoon during my quiet time, I realized that I was a sinner and I needed forgiveness. And only Jesus could forgive me. And I invited Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And in that moment... You know, finally, God gave me peace. It was like this quiet, tiny voice deep in your heart telling you, don't be afraid anymore. Your child won't die at the age of six. And for some reason, I knew it was truth. And then I got scared again. Because first in those years, I started thinking of Elena's future. And I understood that though she would live, she would still be handicapped. And handicapped children and handicapped adults were considered the second-class citizens in our country. Because if you were a Soviet person, you had to be the first class. And I realized that my child will have no school to go, she will have no friends, and basically she will have no life. But then I remembered the prayer I prayed in that Lutheran church when we were baptizing Elena. I said, God, if you are real, if you exist, save Elena's life and I will serve you. And I realized that God answered this prayer exactly how I was praying, save Elena's life. And he did. And I knew I had to keep my promise. And I asked God, how should I serve you? And God gave me a vision to start Tulsi Christian School. School where handicapped children would be accepted. And they would study along with healthy ones. And they would study solid academics. But the most, they would be given opportunity to learn about Savior, Jesus Christ. And when God gives you a vision, he provides. With the help of American Christians, we started Tulsi Christian School on the 1st of September in 1995. We started out small, four grades, 37 students, five teachers, only three were Christians. 
but God grew the school, and today we have full high school. We have 256 students, and uh, this school is not just an educational establishment, but, but because of this school, we reach out uh, to community and to Latvia to present good news. And uh, we, in summer, we do several camps just to reach out. And uh, uh, you will see some pictures of the orphan camp. Orphan camp was the first camp we started when we started school, when we finished the first school year. And since then, every summer we do orphan camp. Kids from different orphanages are brought to Tulsi. And this is life-changing time for them because... Uh, orphanages are run by state, and uh, uh, kids receive food and clothing, but they don't receive uh, love and hugs and touches, and this is what they need the most. We present good news for them, and we just simply love them. And Besides orphan camp, we do youth camp. Our kids basically come from non-Christian families. And our uh, students uh, need to be trained and they need to be matured in their walk of God, with God. We started doing VBS. Uh, these, um, these are uh, camps for TKS students, grades 1 to 6. We do basketball camps. Uh, Christian coaches do uh, train uh, our students and kids from, uh, from community. Uh, they train them basketball uh, skills, and through that, they are presenting good news as well. We teach and train our uh, high school students to become Christian leaders because our ministry is to make disciples. And this is that all matters. And I am glad that Tulsa Christian School is used by God to just to expand the kingdom of God uh, on this earth. And you know, my story, my story has kind of happy ending. Um, my, uh, my husband, who was against my Christian activities, who was against my going to church, and, and who threatened to divorce me if I opened Christian school, my husband got saved. And finally, he became a Baptist uh, evangelist, believe it or not. My eldest daughter, Zani, is 25 years old. My handicapped daughter, Elena, is 23 Yes, she is still handicapped, and she is challenged in several areas. She does not understand conce concept of money or time, but she understands concept of God perfectly. And once I was kind of crying out to uh, one lady and I'm saying, well, you know, now we have this good life. We are saved and, and we have this school and ministry going. But Elena is still handicapped and she will be this way all her life. And this lady looked at me and she said, you know what, Inguna? God created Elena for his pleasure. And when you look from that standpoint, yes, Elena has this childlike faith God asks from us. And we all should have childlike faith. And uh, my youngest uh, son, 
Yanis is 18. All my family is saved, and we are serving the Lord, and we are happy. And see, we can't hold it to ourselves. We must give it further. And ministry of Tulsa Christian School is ministry who is reaching out to people in Latvia. And thank you so much for being part of our ministry. And uh, it, is, it has been a blessing to be here to share my testimony with you. And may God richly, richly bless you. And this is, it's all about, you make disciples here and there. And I work there and finally, finally, we'll see each other in heaven. How about that? Blessings on you. <laughs> Well, I hope you've enjoyed getting to know Nguna a lot, and, uh, and you hope to get to know her a little bit better. Uh, she's going to be actually out in, in the gathering hall afterwards, and she's brought along some Christmas cards that were all individually designed and done by some of the students at Tulsi Christian School, and uh, you, can, you can utilize some of those this Christmas season and maybe throw a little donation in the bowl. But it's been fun to, to know about Tulsi Christian School. I've been there many times. I've, I've spoken there a number of times. And, and had the joy of being involved in the youth camp this past summer. But again, one of the opportunities we're laying before you to consider is your personal involvement in the orphan camp. And to be able to just put some arms around and love on some of those orphans who, who really don't know that anybody cares about them. And if you're interested in learning more information about being involved this June in, in that camp, there's a little yellow sheet on the ready-for-takeoff table out there, and you could just check the box that says... Uh, I want more information about the Latvian orphan camp trip. And I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come on up. We're going to close in a, in a final song. But as they're coming up, I, I want to tell you a little story about Elena. And, and I've gotten to know her. And I, it's just a joy for me to be able to spend a little extra time paying attention to her because sometimes people tend to walk by her. And uh, when we were there this summer... And remember, she doesn't even walk quite normally, but she came up to me and she said, Bruce. I said, yes, what's going on? And she said, would you like to race? I said, really? And she goes, yeah. So we go outside and we do a full lap, you know, all the way around the school together. And uh, she really surprised me, even though she can't walk completely normally, how fast that she was. And I just want you to know, we want you to be more engaged and involved in this whole area of Latvia. And it's just one of the areas that we're talking about being involved in making disciples. But let's, let's sing a closing song together. <laughs>